Kevin Ovenden, thanks so much for joining us. Let's start, if you like, with the meat and potatoes of the recent Greek elections. The Conservative New Democracy Party won an absolute majority, gaining a staggering 83 seats to lift its total number of representatives to 158 in a 300-member parliament. The Movement for Change, the coalition which includes the rump of the old Social Democratic PASOK party, remained a virtual electoral irrelevancy with a mere 8% of the vote. The, the neo-Nazi Golden Dawn lost all 18 of its seats. And of course, Syriza was thrown into opposition. What does all of this mean for the current political landscape in Greece? You're quite right that the gain in the, the number of seats by New Democracy, the centre-right Conservative Party, was 83, but that that masks uh, an undemocratic feature of the Greek electoral system, which is that there are 300 seats in the parliament, 250 uh, apportioned proportionately to what the parties get if they uh, get over 3%, uh, but then a bonus of 50 seats to make up the 300 is given to the party that comes first. So the increase in the number of seats is large. Uh, the actual increase of new, of new Democracy's vote is significant and large on the basis of the previous two or three elections, but is not back to the levels of the mid-40% which they could uh, be looking forward to get in the 1980s and 1990s when we had the old two-party system between New Democracy and uh, PASOK, which, as you now say, is in um, this newer organisation called uh, KINAL. The, the equivalent of the Australian Labour Party has, uh, has collapsed enormously over the last 10 years. What it means is that we now have a government which is uh, thoroughly neoliberal. And by that, I don't mean that they uh, are looking to implement uh, free market policies and attacks on working people under poor perforce because that's what the previous government did after it lost its confrontation with the European lenders and with the IMF but that they relish doing this and to give you a flavour of the of the government the uh, I don't know what it's like in the Australian mainstream media but across Europe and North America the new Prime Minister, Kyriakos Mitsotakis, has been described as a, as a liberal reformer who will sweep out corruption and nepotism, socially liberal, but for free markets and so on. This is a, 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 a complete uh, a distortion of the picture. That's with cleaning out nepotism, one of his first acts was to make his nephew the head of the parliamentary office. One of his other nephews is the mayor of Athens. He also appointed the sons and nephews, no daughters and nieces, sons and nephews of six of the, what you might call, party barons of uh, new democracy. So it means that. It means that that old way of uh, running Greece and doing politics uh, directly at the behest of the oligarchs uh, is back. What it will mean, I think, is a series of confrontations uh, with working people, with the trade unions, with the social movements, as he tries to push that through, because his economic program didn't re doesn't really amount to a program. It was more a series of wishful thinking. 
Kevin, the most disturbing aspect of the Greek crisis of the last decade has been the rise of Golden Dawn, a bona fide Nazi party which not only held seats in the national parliament until this most recent election, but had, and perhaps to an extent still has, a dangerous and violent presence on the streets, threatening at times to wrest control of the political momentum in the country. Why do you think Golden Dawn gains political traction from the social and economic crisis and where will they go from here? Is it premature, perhaps even foolish, to imagine Golden Dawn has been defeated as a political force? Uh, it's, it's, as you say, it's a bona fide uh, neo-Nazi organisation, so this isn't just using the word fascism loosely. Uh, it's been on trial for... Uh, the last four and a half, nearly four and a half years since April of 2015, it being its MPs and leaders for running a criminal enterprise. And the charges are that they have organized murders, attempted murders, arsons, and uh, other, other, uh, other felonies, an immensely serious uh, danger. And it's almost unique in that during the first phase of the crisis, so 2010, uh, onwards, it was able to combine what you might call a neo-Nazi street scene of direct attacks upon people, immigrants, lesbian and gay people, the left, trade unionists, on the one hand, and on the other, uh, do what sometimes in Europe called the Euro-fascist strategy of seeking uh, uh, to get into the parliament. So the fact that it's been thrown back is immensely significant. They failed to get the 3%. The trial is continuing this week, in fact, this afternoon, and uh, next week, as people hear this, there will be um, uh, 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 leading figures of Golden Dawn having to answer for their crimes uh, in court. There's been a collapse of the organization, and this is not down to some you know, objective swing in the electorate. It's because there has been a ferocious anti-fascist campaign in Greece, which has tried to drive them out of the neighborhoods. Uh, confront their lies and assert that there is not a place for this in the Greek society. And so we have the situation where we've had hundreds of thousands of uh, refugees and migrants come through Greece in a situation of chronic crisis, but that has, but Golden Dawn has not been able to benefit from that in the recent period. And this is down to the anti-fascist movement. Let's go back for a moment to the first half of 2015 when Syriza was first in government. Towards the end of that year, you published Syriza Inside the Labyrinth, a kind of post-mortem of how and why things had gone so spectacularly wrong for the putatively radical left-wing government led by Alexis Tsipras. It's a complex story, a long and winding road to political catastrophe, but provide our listeners, if you could, a thumbnail sketch of exactly how, during that critically important period, Syriza went from the promise of defying the will of the European ruling class to meekly capitulating to its demands. Syriza came in in January of 2015 on a uh, wave of resistance to austerity, which stretched from the trade union mobilisation to community mobilisation, environmental actions, and uh, and much else. And that uh, broke the old two-party system, Labour-type, and uh, conservative, with Syriza forming a, a coalition government, very close to forming an absolute uh, majority government. What it believed was uh, many things, but crucially two things. First, that 
the expression of uh, Greek popular opinion in the election uh, of 2015 would be taken note of by the European institutions and the IMF, European Central Bank, European Commission, and so on, that they would have to recognize that uh, people didn't want austerity anymore in Greece. Second thing was, they believed that by skillful negotiation and putting uh, very logical arguments, arguments which uh, were very largely true, that if you shrink the economy, you don't reduce the amount of debt, you increase the ratio of the debt to a now smaller economy. It's called a debt trap. And this had happened for the years up to 2015. But they believed these two things. And the third thing that united them was that they, they looked to a kind of um, a, a game of chicken, a, 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 a contested negotiation with the lenders, but ruled out taking that to the logical conclusion of, of breaking from the single currency, the euro that we have uh, throughout most of Europe, and from the European Union. And so what that meant was that really within a couple of weeks, the other side played for time. They used the economic weakness of the whole country and therefore the government to turn the screws on the government. And um, the uh, Syriza in government moved away from the kind of social uh, grassroots mobilizations which had brought it into government in the first place. And then in the summer, almost exactly uh, four years ago in July, uh, you had a referendum, they called the referendum, uh, to, uh, well, whatever their intention was, it showed a massive rejection of the, the imposition of austerity. Uh, this was with the banks closed by the European Central Bank. They, they closed, it was uh, accurately described as economic terrorism. Huge vote against, but the implication of that vote was to go to a much higher level of confrontation which the leading figures in the government were not prepared to do. And so you have this situation where a, a no vote, an Oshi vote, becomes, in the hands of the government, just a few days later, a yes to the very things that people have rejected. And this has had a profound and, uh, and shattering effect um, throughout the uh, social movements in the left in Greece. It seems almost a redundant question in a way, given Syriza, or at any rate the leadership of Syriza, showed its true colours of political cowardice and milquetoast accommodation to the Greek and European ruling class when in government. But what, pray tell, might their political trajectory be in opposition? Will the party, do you think, become more and more of an empty shell of social democracy, an electoral vehicle of reformism without reforms? Uh, I think that is the direction, it's certainly the direction that Alexis Tsipras and the, the leading group around him want to take. Uh, after the capitulation in 2015, a lot of the left left the party or were purged. Um, but still, it uh, has characteristics of, a, of an old left and the communistic background that it had, uh, some of the older people had come from, certainly back in the 60s and 70s. And Tsipras doesn't want any of, of that anymore. He, um, he wants a Tsipras party. Uh, so he's talking about recruiting 10% of the votes of Syriza, which is a, an unfeasible amount. This would be 170,000 people he aims to get to join the party or have an association with some 
you know, a couple of euros uh, paid as a supporter. This is a party which has probably 25,000 members. And the purpose of that is to, to make this complete break from the trajectory of the left that um, the party had uh, come from. Now, that said, I think a lot of uh, Syriza's supporters, certainly a lot of the 1.7 million people, most of the 1.7 million who voted for Syriza, who were disproportionately working class and young, now find that their party is in opposition and will now find that there's not the same inhibition upon social mobilization, you know, that we have to give our government a chance because now we're in opposition, it's another government. So I think it will be contradictory. The idea of that Syriza will in any way uh, evolve back to the radical uh, force that it promised, um, what, 10 years ago, uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, so I think you're going to have a, a, a conflict between these two, these two tendencies. I aim to be a very conventional, I suppose, Australian Labour Party type party on the one hand from the leadership and then lots of people who, you know, you know what it's like when the right gets back in power. Friends of mine in Australia were saying you know, after the recent um, general election that you had, there is a real gut feeling from uh, left-wing people, progressive people and, and working people. Finally, Kevin Ovenden, the radical left is a labyrinthine, complex world of splits and alliances and mergers and so forth in just about every country in the world. And it seems to me the radical left in Greece is no exception. There is a strong anarchist movement. There's the KKE, the Communist Party of Greece. There's the rather strangely translated into English European realistic disobedience front led by former Syriza finance minister Yanis Varoufakis. And there's a question mark, I suppose, over whether that's really part of the radical left. And of course, there's a powerful trade union movement. There are, in short, many moving parts to the overall picture. Generally speaking, however, how do you assess the prospects for the radical left? Will the coming period be defined by hope or despair? There are all those divisions. And as uh, elsewhere, some of those, perhaps a lot of them, are historic and people can point to very serious reasons for the divisions. Um, what I think is is caught between hope and despair uh, now, and uh, whether the path of hope will be taken, I think will depend upon a, a couple of things. One of them is, despite the, the variegation of the radical left in Greece and in other countries, there has to be a sense of unity of purpose and unity of action around the social front, social struggles, increasing the level of confidence and, and hope at the base of society. So that's critical, and that's not always, uh, not always happened. The second is, I think, there needs to be returned to some of the strategic questions for the radical left and uh, everybody who wants serious change that have been somewhat suppressed over the last four years because people were were so disappointed by the capitulation last uh, in, in summer of 2015. So we have to readdress this question of how is it that we can combine a uh, especially political form, the party, the coalition, whatever you, whatever it is. With the, with the social struggle, uh, so that the one doesn't dominate the other, but the, the one gives uh, an expression and helps the other. This is uh, a, a big discussion, uh, which is taking place in Greece and other countries. 
I think upon the basis of that discussion and the, um, uh, the united actions that take place in the next uh, year against this new right-wing government, we'll get an answer to your question. I mean, ultimately, I, I am optimistic. I mean, it's, it's difficult. We have, you know, climate emergency, environmental crisis, uh, threatened new recession, uh, 1930s-style recession that has taken place in Greece, all of that devastation. At the same time, the other side don't have serious and even medium-term answers to that. So I think that the left needs to find, uh, again, the ways of working absolutely broadly in the movement, and then where there are political differences, being able to deal with those in a, in a serious and mature way.